Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Well, it's two in a row. Today, I'm speaking with Chris Lee, who's the Chief Executive of SolGen Power in the USA. Now, this is two in a row because this is the second leader we've had in this series uh, focused on the solar power industry, which just goes to show how it's rocketing at the moment, as both there are at least two companies that we've been talking to just in these few episodes uh, who are running businesses in that area. Now, Chris is a fascinating guy. He lost his shirt in his first business. He scaled too fast. He went bankrupt. He picked himself up. He apprenticed himself with some incredible leaders, did the hard yards, built some small companies and really honed his skills. And then the opportunity arose and he decided to scale his own business. And uh, he's built it up, bootstrapped it, and he's got it to over, over a thousand team members in 18 locations just in the last five years or so. In this conversation, Chris really uh, talks about some of the secrets of his success, about um, how he learned to create culture by design instead of by default, how he recruits the best people and retains them with very specific strategies, and some of the issues where, looking back, he might have done things differently to be even further ahead in his growth curve. Now that's saying something because Chris's company is the sixth fastest growing private company in the US of A right now. So enjoy this conversation. Chris Lee, really fascinating individual with some perfect lessons for you. Hi Chris and welcome to the show. Excited to be here. So this is going to be fun. Today we're going to explore your secrets of scaling, the highs and lows of the journey as you've grown SoulGen. I know you started in 2017. You're now the sixth fastest growing company in the United States. And you have a thousand employees. You've got a business that's valued in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet you were once terrified of scaling your business. That's right. That's right. That so is let's, let's start there. Let's start there. So go back. You might need to rewind, obviously, a couple of chapters. Why were you the guy that was terrified of growing and scaling a business? Absolutely. So 2008, I launched my very first business at age 24, young, dumb, and, uh, you know, thought I knew, knew what to do, right? I was, a, I was a great technician in my craft as far as uh, sales and leadership and those type of things. And so I thought that would easily translate over to, to being a business owner. And so, you know, uh, I raised money, uh, borrowed money or had got investors to, to come in and, and help me build a, a home security business. 
and uh, you know, just did a lot of made a lot of stupid decisions. It was a terrible time, 2008. The economy crashed throughout the world, and you know, money market seized up and uh, poor decisions. We scaled. We had six locations in our first year. We just tried to scale too fast. We were we were trying to compete with larger entities. You know, do things basically run before we even knew how to crawl. And so uh, because of it, it, it ended up leading all these poor decisions and, and everything. It, it ended up leading to our demise. And right. two years later, I had to file bankruptcy, uh, lost everything. There's so much more detail to that story, but, you know, filed bankruptcy for $2.2 million at uh, age 26, had everything repoed right out of my driveway and wow. all assets stripped from me, less than a thousand dollars in my bank account. You know, the drill. So that's uh that's where i found myself in the end of 2010 early 2011 and so i learned a lot through that experience learned what we did right and what we did wrong um and so i immediately launched other businesses which were successful but during that time we i, I was very scared of scale right, right. That, didn't didn't want to repeat that same mistake. Didn't want to bring outside debt. Didn't want to open up multiple locations. So it became so my following businesses, which you know were were numerous, um, ended up ended up being just technician ran businesses, right? Where uh, you know I was heavily involved micromanaging, you know, keeping it keeping it small. You know, Max, I think the biggest any one of those businesses had was like 12 or 13 employees. And so made a made a good paycheck. And but but at the end of the day was was scared of repeating the same mistakes of of scaling too quickly. And so I erred completely on the other end. But throughout throughout all that, I, I learned I, I learned a lot about running a business, motivating a small group and and whatnot. And so um, that was that was the case for uh, about two and a half years. I owned a, a handful of different businesses. I was trying everything under the moon to make it work. Sold off a couple of them for you know a decent amount of money, nothing nothing significant, and then uh, and then you know uh, made made some different decisions from there. Yeah. So what I hear is is that that was that first experience which went wrong in a big way, right? Blew up in your face. And then actually you went and did the hard yards, right? You actually did through those small businesses, the hard work of actually learning how to cover the bases, right? Manage a team and manage the finances and whatever. So you went through that, but I still hear there was that fear there, totally understandable, right? Of, I don't really want this to go big. So what was the change, right? So what happened with SoulGen where you've said this time, this is the big one. What what happened? So... I did, I did something that was very, like it required me to swallow my pride in 2012, summer 2012, I went back to work for somebody else. Mm. And that was, that was really hard for me. Like, well, if I can intercept, one of my sayings is the greatest fear of every employee is to lose their job. And the greatest fear of every entrepreneur is to have to get a job. Right. Yeah, no. And, 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 you know, more than fear, it's just like, and, and it's not fear about income. It's not fear about anything. It's like fear of what other people think. Right. And, and that's one of the things that I learned throughout my journey is like, you got to stop caring about what other people think. You just got to do what's best for you. 
And, and so don't do things to compete. Don't do, don't do things to impress. Right. That's, that's when real businesses ran. And so in summer 2012, I went back to work for somebody else and it was purely, uh, well, one, it required me to like come to grips, like, Hey, I'm no longer to be the man in charge. And like, I, I gotta be okay with that. But two, was with the intention to go and study and, and basically receive paid education. And so for the, for the next five years, I actually worked for three different companies uh, with pure intent during that time of like exactly why I was there, right? It wasn't just to get a paycheck. It wasn't just to lead a team or what it, whatever it was. It was to study the CEOs of high growth businesses. And, and so the first two businesses that I was a part of were very high growth. Um, one of my favorite mentors that I had the opportunity to study under uh, was the CEO of a company called Vivint. And uh, Vivint was a home security, home automation business that had scaled from zero to $2 billion in 2012. They, they received a evaluation from Blackstone of $2 billion. And during that time, they spun off a company called Vivint Solar, which IPO'd for $1.8 billion. Right. And, and both have been able to scale. And so when I was there, uh, it, was, it was purely with like, how do I get time with Todd Peterson? So he was, he's the CEO. And, and so any chance I got, I was there. I was studying from him, learning, asking people that were working directly under him, like what he did, you know, so just saw things. And from a microscope, macroscopic level, and uh, just just learned so much from that guy. And then, yeah. and then after that, um, so I I had opened up a location for Vivint Solar, uh, and, and that's where I got introduced to the industry that I'm in. Right. That, yeah, that got you into the solar business, right? Okay. And that's so right. then there was, and so then what was it where you said, you know what, I want to build something myself again and, and go big? Well, I mean, I guess you so, got. That. You got so that my first, that point, right? Perhaps from- for my first, my first step into that world was after Vivint Solar, my buddy, or while I was working for Vivint Solar, one of my good friends that I had worked under decided to start his own solar business. And he tried to bring me on initially. I was like, no way I'm here. And then about four months in, so not, not very far after he convinced me to come be an executive for his team and run the growth division. And uh, because one of my unique capabilities is the ability to recruit mm. and to instill vision into people. And so he brought me on as a vice president of human capital. And my whole job was to go out, recruit, build recruiting teams, build, build an organization. So I worked there for two years and during that time. And so for this, this was kind of like stepping into, because because it was a startup, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't super secure, but it wasn't my own thing. And, and so we built that to 28 locations in two years. Nice. And, and it was a, it was a sales only engine, but I learned so much from it and gained a lot of experience. And then it was at that point where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Like I saw this thing from the ground up, I'm ready to go back. And it was interesting during those five years, there was a lot of people that would come to me and be like, Chris, you have the smarts, the ability, like go start your own business. And I would let them know. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm here. Like, this is like, this is my education and I'm going to. And so really 
I didn't go back out on my own until it was like forced upon me that it was like, it didn't make any more sense. Right. I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we get antsy, we get, you know, we, we have like this, uh, what uh, the e-myth refers to the book, right? Like the entrepreneur myth of like, Oh, like, ah, I just got this dream and it's all, you know, I can't sleep at night and everything else. And, and it's actually suppressing those feelings and like focusing on, on the principles that allowed me to continue to, mm-hmm. uh, to grow during those five years. Yeah. And so that, that eventually, uh, that eventually led to the launch of our business. Perfect. So that was, you launched SoulGen at that point. Um, very pretty, just a couple of words. So what does the business do? Just let's just kind of make sure everyone's up to speed with, with what it is. What's yeah, so we are we are a solar provider. We residential. Ninety nine point eight percent of the the thing that we do is residential because my background is in residential marketing sales, okay. and uh, we do we do uh, solar distribution, marketing, sales, installation, and financing. The only thing that we don't do in that space is manufacture, right. and so. Uh, which is very unique in our space. Most most companies they only do one of those verticals. I'm a marketing company. I'm a sales right. company or an install company, or finance. And and so that's one thing that's kind of been a unique identifier to our business was when we started. We're like, okay, we're going to own as much of this as possible and control nice. the full customer experience. Nice, nice. Okay, great. So. Obviously, it's going well. You say you're a fast-growing company. You've, you've hit your thousandth employee. Um, what were a couple of things that you did you think really well that have really helped the company scale? <clears throat> you know, what, what have been so, those, those drivers? By far, the biggest thing is building a culture by design, right? So culture happens either way. It's either by design or by default, right? And most companies are built by default. It's just what happens, happens The based on interactions, whatever. So culture by design is based on consistency and buy-in, right? And the crazy thing about culture is it doesn't have to be based on really anything, right? Like, but it's just got to be based on something. It, and, and so like, for example, Day one, I got, I'm launching this business in my garage and I'm going around and giving my two employees high fives. And they're just like, who's this crazy nut? Right. And I'm like, listen, from now until the rest of soul gen, when I show up in an office, I'm going to give high fives to, to everybody. Right. And it, and it seems stupid. It did like, it seems first grade level, right? Like all the, all these things, but it's like, after a time, people start buying into it. It's like, okay, Chris brings energy every single day. He gives high fives. It may seem weird at first, but after a month, like people are expecting it. And right. And without those consistent actions, it's like, oh, they're, they're losing on the culture. And so just little things like that. Right. And, what, and it's interesting. why high fives? I mean, a random thing that you did, I mean, I'm sure you didn't like think about it, but no, I, I, actually, I actually did think about it, right? Like, okay. so a high five is something that most people don't experience as adults on a regular basis, right? right. And, and so as, as a child, when you're in sports or whatever else, like it's, it's common happenstance, but it, but it isn't as an adult. And so like taking people out of like their normal everyday routine and putting into something that is just like completely different 
and 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 awkward maybe at, at first. Yes, right? it doesn't disrupt, right? It, it, yeah, it kind of makes you think again, what's going on here? And you're right, it yeah, doesn't yeah. bring energy. I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah, and then and then on top of that, right, just the level of volume that's being that's being portrayed, like, hey, good morning, good morning, right? And 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 it's and it's celebrating a win from the from the beginning of the day, mm. right? And so, like, hey, today's the best day that that's ever existed upon the, you know in the history of the world, right? Like, like those, those are the phrases that I, that I, uh, that I share with my team. Yeah. I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah, just, just, uh, you know, so culture, culture by design and that, that goes into like, how consistent are you with your meetings and how consistent, um, are you with just, just everything with your, with your core values, your mission statement. And like, do I bring those up? Do do we have common language that's different than anywhere else? Right. And so, um, so like day one, um, we were applying all these principles, things that I had learned from working with other businesses, things I learned from authors of books and, and, uh, and it was just very much on purpose. And so anybody like we, we, we ran that business out of my garage. Now my garage is a little bit bigger than most for the first two and a half years of our business. Um, I had 53 people showing up to my garage shop um, every single day that literally is right across the driveway from my house. Right. And uh, you know, like, the the energy and like like people will walk in and be like dude what is this google like i'm i'm in a yeah. i'm in a ghetto shop but like is some somehow like the the energy is different here and and so much of that like was very much on purpose and how much of that was in terms of what you how much of that came down to you as the leader right as the founder i mean how much of that culture did you feel you really had to do you still carry that is mainly you does it how have you spread that yeah, yeah. So, so I, I still, I still carry a lot of that. And, but, and, and culture is the hardest thing to scale, right? I, I think more than anything, you know, processes and whatnot, those are, those are fairly easy if you have them locked down, but culture is the hardest thing. But it, it, all it requires is consistency and getting other people. Um, one, one thing, uh, other people to buy in. One thing I love is, uh, do you know who Ed Milet is? I'll be honest. I could have no, so, so you should follow him. Uh, he's here in the States, big, uh, big business owner, founder of a, a very large organization. Um, Ed, Ed Milet um, talks about uh, when as a leader, so someone that's buying into culture or whatnot, you, your, your goal is to be an evangelist. And an evangelist doesn't mean that everyone believes what you believe. An evangelist is people believe that you believe. Right. And, and so that's, that's the biggest thing that I've always tried to portray is I've created the vision and everything is like so much confidence, so much energy in what I believe that people like, it's impossible for them not to believe that I believe. Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. 
If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com where you can find out more about the book and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. Right. Yeah, I love that. That's a great distinction, actually. That's a great distinction. Yeah, it's often talk to my clients, right, about like you, what is it that is a fire inside you, right, that you have to do. Because you say the first, say this to yourself. If you don't believe it, no one else is going to believe it, right? And people see if you hesitate, if you don't actually, if you're not actually all in with whatever it is you're up to in the world. So yeah, I love that. Um, And so that culture has been a key part of it. Um, Is there anything else that you would point to to say, you know what, as we kind of built this business, this was something that we that we really nailed? Yeah, I mean, it's. building with the right people and like targeting the highest level of individuals, not being scared. Right. So, you know, when, when businesses are first starting out, they, uh, the owners typically feel like they're the smartest person in the room, right. They're bringing in employees. And, and a lot of times we're like, okay, what's the cheapest person I can get to do this job or whatever, whatever it is. And a lot of times we're scared of people that are as smart as us or smarter than us. Right. And, and so shifting the point, like I need so many people way smarter than me, way more capable, way more experienced. I need those people on my team. And so, you know, day one, I was targeting the best, you know, and, and getting them to believe that I believed in the vision. Right. Mm. And, uh, and so, recruiting those type of people. And, and one thing that's really helped in our recruiting is like my top level management from the beginning, we tied into the long-term, right? So we had executive plans and, or, or equity plans in place. And there's, there's actually a methodology that I use that I developed through my, my experience with these other organizations, what I was seeing happening with other businesses, ones that worked, ones that didn't, all these things like that. And this is actually something that I, that I teach and I've, I've taught over in France and I've taught in uh, throughout the U S and whatnot. And, and uh, it's the, it's this structure. It's, it's called the six eighteen three year. And, and what it, what it is, is to attract the highest level of individuals, people that are willing to come in and work for hardly nothing, right? Like, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. There's a guy on my team named Matt. He had sold a business for a few million dollars. He was sitting well, 28 years old, super high tech, really uh, like, like didn't need to work another day in his life, had great investments, everything like that. We convinced him to come in and take a $40,000 a year salary, which is like close to minimum wage here in Washington state. And with the upside of equity and the, the way that we structured was this six eighteen thirty 30 uh, or three year methodology. And what it is, is you take the amount of equity. So for example, this guy, we, we gave him 8% of equity in, in the business. Um, now you don't need to, it, it, it's kind of this thing, like the longer you're in business, the obviously the less equity you got to give right up front. It requires a little bit more because there's literally just a hope and a dream that you're building yeah. off of. And so uh, this particular guy, we, we, did a, we did an 8% equity split play. And the way it was structured was at six months, he would receive 50% of that. And then at 18 months, 
the other 50% would vest. Mm -hmm. And then at three years, if he did not work for three years, the whole amount could actually be retracted. And so let me, let me walk through, Mm -hmm. through the way that it is structured and the, and the mentality behind it. The reason for six months is twofold. One, six months is the longest any honeymoon period can last. Right. When you bring on a partner, when you start a business, there's going to be a honeymoon, right? Like, hey, we're yeah. going to take over the world. There's there's nothing that can stop us. You believe yeah. they have great intentions. They believe you have great intentions. But during that six months, you're going to find out what that person is really made of. And I've never seen the honeymoon period last longer than six months, right? To be deceived. Yeah. You're going, you're going to know you made no date two, you made no month two, but for sure you'll know in six months. Yeah. And so the reason I want to vest as fast as, so the second fold is I wanted to vest as fast as possible. So this guy sees like, Hey, I can get an immediate result. If it's not going to work, I'm going to cut him out. He's not going to vest anything. And we're, and we're, we're done. But if it does work, right, he's going to get that first 50%. And the reason I want him to do that is not only is not only see it quickly, but I want to get distributions. I need to run a profitable business that I can get distributions out as fast as possible. Right. Because once somebody tastes the blood, right, of distributions, they're hooked, right? And and they want, they want, they want more. Okay. And and so, and then 18 months is very similar, right? It's a, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a very long time, right? It's very attainable, but it also has that has them in, right? So now you have another 12 months to evaluate this relationship. Hmm. And so, but then three years, like I said, if they leave before three years or you decide to get rid of them before the three years, everything's retracted. Now they get to keep the distributions that they received up until that point. Right. So there's nothing there. They just forfeit their ownership in the their equity in the business. And so the interesting thing about this is like if they stayed three years in one day, they could walk away with a business without from the business without any obligation and have and and retain equity in my business. Hmm. Now, nobody in their right mind who you've vetted for three years that's seen returns that's seen value is going to want to walk away from that mm-hmm. right they're like it's it's they're they're so vested their right. roots are Got so it. deep right yeah. and a lot of these a lot of these big companies they have like five-year vesting periods 10-year vesting periods it's like you guys are idiots like they you don't it doesn't require a five-year commitment right. to get pretty fully committed yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing that in detail because I think that and explaining why why you do that, it makes a lot of sense, especially when you're in that high growth phase, right? People don't want to wait five years if it's a young business that's going places fast. Um, that's great. I'm aware of time, but I just have to cover quite quickly. Like, is there one thing that you know where you perhaps made a mistake and it made things painful? Something like a learning along the way that'd be valuable to share for other people. You know, if, if if I could do it over again, I, I try not to live in regret, but if I could do it over again, I would actually access capital sooner. Um, so we built this thing completely debt-free, completely. And and with like basically no access to lines of credit or any anything else, um, which was a lot of it was based off of my previous failed business, right? Like, hey, we're going to scale, but we're going to do it in a little bit of a conservative way. Like, um, I wish I had a little bit more confidence in myself up front 
Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, a thousand employees seems fast and seems amazing. And to the outside eye, it's like, there's no way you could have grown faster. But honestly, I think if, if I had access, when access capital sooner, yeah. I, I'd be at 2000 to 2,500 employees today. Got it. Yeah. That's, it's, it's good. Cool. Isn't it? And possibly that was part of your journey, right? As you had to kind of come out of that previous mindset from before. So let's, let's just switch gears and just jump into our quick fire questions that I like to ask. So I love to kind of get in behind, behind you know into the skin of the leaders to find out what what forms you right what creates you so what's what's the favorite quote that you live by or that you're forever telling your team about and boring them about you know early on when i was a startup the quote that i lived by was just do it and figure out how later um that doesn't so much apply to my business now right we gotta we gotta be a little more strategic but that that was definitely like the big pusher yeah. And then, and then for me now, it's fall in love with the process, forget about the fruit. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, for, yeah, I like it because yeah, often it's easy to be out there in the future in our heads and not in the present and what we need to get done. What about a book? What about a book that's really influenced your leadership? I mean, so many, but I, the one I, I would say that I have 20 copies on my desk here is Atomic Habits by James Clear. You know? Yeah, it's a nice one. Yeah, it's a really good one. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. For anybody, I mean, anyone who's not really listening to this podcast and is not a student of habits, you know, you need to become one because it, it transforms everything. It's a great point. What advice would you give your twenty-year-old self? Uh, just be patient. It, the, the you know, I I was very very impatient young. Right. And, and I wanted everything now. I wanted success now. And I was willing to put in the work and the effort. But because of it, I missed out on so many learning opportunities, uh, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've um, you've been on a, a great journey, right, of, of mentor, being mentored and, and learning the hard way and, and learning through others and everything else. Chris, tell me, many of our best guests on the show come from referrals, so I'm always curious, you know, who's an impactful CEO that you know um, that you could recommend, right? You know, who's a great person? For, you know, who inspires you? So, I mean, two, two different people, um, uh, you know, Todd Peterson, which I, which I, I shared with you from the, the CEO of Vivint. Uh, you know, we could potentially get him on here. And I know a guy that for sure we could get on here is uh, Casey Baugh. Um, which I worked with at Vivint and he's gone on and uh, started a couple different companies that are very highly successful and uh, very world-class investor and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, so th- those are, those are two guys that I look to um, as, uh, as a mentor. Um, I don't interact with Todd as much on a day-to-day, but Casey is somebody that I interact with on a, on a monthly basis and we get together in golf and he's, he's somebody that, uh, bounce ideas off of that I love and what inspires you about them it's great to kind of celebrate that you know Casey Casey is where I learned like the power of uh the power of leadership and building culture um and then Todd is where where I learned like the power of vision and owning the truth and and so which uh those are the the things that, that inspire me about those guys beautiful so let's get on to my favorite questions, actually, which is uh, no matter how much we've achieved, there's always an next level to get to. 
Yeah. The game I love to play with my clients, you know, it looks amazing, successful on the outside, and yet they know they're just getting started. And so what's your what's the next level for the business, right? Where does SoulGen go next? What's its moonshot? Yeah, so we recently brought on a private equity group that uh, invested in a minority stake in our business. Uh, for us, we are pushing uh, to do uh, a couple acquisitions and then probably take take this thing public. And so for me, you know, I have a number that's like, I, I would love to see from a valuation standpoint, just because of what it would represent of the level of accomplishment at that point, like what, what it would take the, the amount of work and whatnot. So, you know, that number's 10 billion uh, from a, uh, from a, from a valuation standpoint, I really do believe that we can be there in two to three years and uh, we have a roadmap uh, in order, in order to do so. So that's really where we're pushing it. But I, but I think more importantly than, than the numbers is our mission statement of building a brighter future for our people. The thing I've always focused in, in my business is like my number one customer is my employee and my number two is my end user. And so building an atmosphere that is like creates the whole person, you know, association, spirituality, economic physique, not just the economic side, not just a paycheck, not just showing yeah. up to work. But better, better, better fathers, better, better mothers, better contributors to society. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's what. Well, at the end of the day, I love to say, you know, finance is the fuel, but what's the destination? And the destination in terms of impact. This is called the Impact Multiplier Podcast, and it's always about people, right? Uh, it always impact always ends up impacting people in some ways. And I think what you describe there, there's a word for it, right? Um, Jewish word, shalom, right? Which is this kind of peace and well-being in all areas of, of life. And that's what I'm hearing from you. So thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, I think it's great, so great to hear people who, for whom it's not just about flipping their stock, right? Um, thank you. That's right. What do you personally need to do differently in the future to multiply your own impact? Obviously, you've got a formula that's worked to get to here. Right. What's going to change as you, as you catapult beyond that? Uh, you know, thinking bigger, uh, finding like much of the same that I've, that I've done, but at, at a higher level, right? Uh, so finding greater leaders, scaling the culture, right? Like that's our, our biggest, our biggest threat to our business is not scaling our culture, right? And, and so just, I need to figure out how I can better do that. And, and I'm spending a lot of money on coaches and programs and everything else that I can learn how I can improve that. And so that's like, that's my, my main focus. And then being able to let go and trust others more. Yeah. Letting go. It's, it's a recurring theme, right? It's, Every level, it's you have to let go more. It's like parenthood, right? It's like you have to keep doing it. You can never stop the entire journey. It's letting go and trusting. So, um, hey, Chris, that's a great way to to kind of wrap things up, I think. If people want to find out more about you or about SoulGen, how do they do that? Yeah, so SoulGen, SoulGenPower.com. Uh, me, I, I uh, am pretty active on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram. Chris Lee QB, my quarterback, um, on both platforms. So facebook.com backslash Chris Lee QB. There's a lot of Chris Lee's out there. So I got to have a distinguisher. So that's, uh, those are the best, best platforms. Chris Lee QB. Perfect. 
Hey, Chris, this has been great. There's, there's so much um, stuff in here. You know, I love your heart, your, you know, your, this sense of building for people, um, you know, the way that you're putting yourself under the microscope, getting mentored, uh, investing in yourself in order to be able to serve other people and to serve the business more. I love your sense of vision. Um, you know, I think you've, uh, you've shared some really specific things, right, around designing a culture instead of letting it emerge by default. Uh, targeting those high-end people or, you know, and you got really specific there and tactical in, in a sense about you know how you might actually bring them on as as owners in the business a lot of people talk about ownership but then don't want to actually shell out and make people owners whereas you're walking the walk on that one um as well as talking the talk and uh, yeah thank you everyone for being vulnerable about your journey and the highs and the lows the moments of bankruptcy and moments of fear and then moments of learning and, and then the moments of growth and success so it's been a really fun conversation and I'm looking forward to following along and and perhaps uh, we talk again as, as the journey grows. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.